Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. My name is Rick Thompson, and I want to welcome you to our exciting new series that we are simply calling Woke. Now, if you were to look up the definition of the word woke today, that actually two things would pop up. Woke, the first definition would be past of wake, or the past tense of wake. And the second definition would be to alert to injustice in society, especially racism. I think the whole world is now becoming familiar with that. And it gives it an example, we need to stay angry and stay woke. Now again, if that doesn't describe where the world is today, (laughs) angry and woke about a plethora of perceived injustices in the world. But today and over the next few weeks, I kind of want to turn the corner and I want to give you a more biblical, less divisive approach to the subject as we look at four people in the Bible who were literally given dreams by the Father to be fulfilled on the earth. They had become biblically woke, if you will, and and what they had to do to fulfill those dreams and the things that they had to go through. Because the truth be told that, that initially, sometimes when we get dreams from the Father, how many of you know that they don't always work out exactly the way we expect? Hello? We're going to find that out today. And so I want you to kind of make a commitment, you and your family, to stick with us over the next four weeks of this series so that we can look at what the biblical woke definition is and and how it could speak to every single one of us. Now, I want us to look at our key verse. It's going to be our key verse for, 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 you know, the entire series. And and it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. And just to set it up, it's the day of Pentecost. And, and the Bible says a mighty rushing wind came in with a sound and tongues of fire came on people's heads and people from all over started speaking in different languages and different tongues, extolling the praises of God. And they couldn't explain what was going on, many of the lay people. And so somebody decided these people are just drunk. Peter stood up in verse 16 and he said, no, this, this, these people are not drunk as you suppose. This is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Someone say Jesus. Someone say Jesus. There is salvation in no other name but his. But what's the mark? The Bible says, or the prophet Joel uh, prophesied of the end times. He says there's going to be a a great pouring out of God's spirit. And there are people who are going to have visions and and dreams and prophesying. And so that's what's going to take place. And and, and just as a side note, uh, by the way, Acts chapter 2, 16 and 17, 
is on the graphics, and that's the time that's on that clock that you saw at the beginning. Because we believe that we are in the end times. Come on, somebody. Or, or, or at least the beginning of the end times, because things are just looking crazy in the world today. So much so that, that we're hearing that, 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 uh, that people are in closed countries are, are, are being exposed to the gospel. Guess what? Through dreams and visions. Uh, that's some of these Muslim countries where you can't even go in and preach the gospel. God is breaking through all of that through this end time prophecy, the pouring out of his spirit on all flesh, and he's preaching uh, the gospel even through dreams and visions. So let's let's take a look at a a special person's dream today. We're going to focus on Joseph's dream this morning and the lesson that we can learn. Now, his dream kind of reminded me of that old song when I was younger that was sang by a lady by the name of Leslie Gore. And, and, and the name of that song was, It's My Party and I Cry If I Want To. It's My Party and I Cry If I Want To. It was, was captured for us the obvious feelings of a young girl whose teenage love of her life kind of walks in, uh, in the door hand in hand with another girl. And to top it off, it it was apparently her birthday party. So she invited him, the love of her life, and and he walks in. This is her her dream lover, and he walks in hand in hand with another girl. Hence the refrain, it's my party. I'll cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to you. And these are not tears of joy. She's disappointed. She's depressed. Why? Because what she dreamed would happen has now kind of turned into a walking nightmare as far as she's concerned. Now, can we kind of fast forward this now to year 2020? Anybody can kind of relate to how she might be feeling. I mean, all the preachers and the pastors at the beginning of the year gave their, you know, their their rah-rah message to start out the year. And right about uh, February... Everything went off the track. That, those things which we anticipated would happen have turned into other things due to COVID in 2020. The, 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 uh, uh, even in terms of just trying to get back on track, as, as far as church is concerned, COVID has, has, has kind of derailed a lot of the plans that people have. Now, there have been many tears as people see their businesses suffer, and in some cases, family members getting sick. And yes, I, even some, some people are going home to the Lord. So, so what do we do when the disappointments that you, that, you, that you feel due to dreams that have gone you know, haywire? What do you do in those cases beyond just crying tears, beyond the, the frustration and, and, and trying to put down the fears in your life? What, what, what should you do when your expectations don't pan out and when your best laid plans tend to fail? Again, when the object of your dreams turn to a nightmare. I want you to pay attention this morning. Well, again, we don't have to look very far because we see it right in, with, uh, in the book of Genesis. We see the story of um, Joseph and Joseph had a reputation of being a dreamer. 
And when you talk about a dysfunctional family, you think, you're, you, think you got a dysfunctional family? <laughs> Joseph had a dysfunctional family. Joseph, uh, Joseph had not just one stepmother. He had several stepmothers. He had several stepbrothers. They all lived in the same house, if you will. They weren't houses. They lived in tents. But they were all part of the same family structure, and he had to see them pretty much every day. And the worst part about it, nobody in Joseph's family, as it relates to his brothers, liked him. (laughs) And that's funny, because then came the dream. And that was the dream that kind of set everything, um, let's just say, uh, off the rails. Genesis chapter 3, verse, uh, chapter 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. <laughs> and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, I don't want to skip over that because I, I want you to understand the dynamics of what's happening. Joseph is the youngest. He's out in the field with his brothers. He sees things going on, and whenever he would see things going on, he would bring back what he saw that he thought was wrong, and he would tell his daddy, Joseph was a snitch. Come on, somebody. And what do they say about snitches? I will let you fill that in yourself. Nobody, Joseph was that guy, that brother, or that annoying sister that was constantly bringing your business to daddy or to papa. Now, what made things even worse is the next verse. It says, now Israel, which is the daddy, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word of him. Verse 5, and then Joseph had a dream, and when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, listen to this dream I had. We were building sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. And then he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, He said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Who do you think the sun and the moon were? That was his mama and his dad, and the 11 stars were his brothers. And when he told his father as as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him, and he said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to you, bow down to the ground before you? Now, mind you, again, he's the youngest, and he's having dreams or visions, as far as they're concerned, of grandeur, and he's not even quiet about it. Come here, everybody. I got to tell you about the dream I had. I got elevated, and you were all bowing before me. 
Now, you'd have thought that Joseph would have quit while he was ahead. Nope. He just kept going and talking. And now, fortunately for him, the Bible says that Joseph was, was, was uh, dad's favorite child. But unfortunately, Jacob, his father, was unwise in the fact that he let the other children know that he had a favorite child. You know, my kids are always asking that. Maybe your kids are that way too. They're always asking who's the favorite when, when they were younger. Who's the favorite? Who's the favorite? Do you have a favorite? And I always tell them, yes, I have a favorite. Of course I have a favorite. Well, and then they try to guess who the favorite was. And someone will say, well, it's Brittany. Or someone will say, it's this. And Ricky always thought he was everyone's favorite. Listen, I told him. And, they, and they're all, they were all convinced that they were mom's favorite, but they couldn't quite figure out who my favorite was. And I always told him, my favorite is the one who's given me the least amount of trouble at the time. And that could change from day to day. So yeah, I don't have a favorite. Stop giving me a hard time, and that day you're my favorite. Oh, by the way, that works with the church too. Just saying. Well, well the result was the fact that he, he let the kids know that he had a favorite, and the result was his brothers were jealous and they grew to hate him. Now, you add these dreams on top of it where he's just telling them what's going to happen what, in, in, in the dream. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of love for him. You, can, you don't have to be a prophet or the son of a prophet to see where this is going. Because they had gotten to the place where they just wanted Joseph out of their lives. And some of them were willing to kill him to do it. Now, the older brother talked them out of killing them, and the rest of them decided, you know what, let, let, let's just sell them off, sell them off into slavery. And so that's exactly what they did. They wanted to kill them, but instead they sold them into slavery. And then they took that pretty little uh, uh, robe that the daddy had given them and soaked it in blood and lied to the daddy, said he was torn up, he, he, there was some accident, he was torn up by, you know, some animals, and they basically told the daddy he was dead. And as far as they were concerned, they were done with Joseph, they were done with his dreams, and they moved on with their life. One minute, he's this 17-year-old boy with, with, full of life, life ahead of him with his dreams, even if the dreams were outlandish. And in the next moment, he ha he's a slave with not much hope for the future. And you know the story. In Egypt, Joseph was bought by a man named Potiphar. And after a few years, he worked his way into a position of responsibility as head of Potiphar's household. And the Bible says Joseph turned out to be a fairly good-looking young man. I mean, he was well-built and handsome. And in the course of time, he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife, who, who, who reasoned since he was a slave in her house that she had the, the right to take advantage of whatever belonged to her. And she would wait for her hubby to leave, and then she would start making advances toward Joseph. And Joseph would always pull away. He, I can't do this to my master. He's given me control over the entire, you know, your, his entire household except for his wife. He's not going to do this dishonorable thing before the Lord. And at one point, she just decided, you know what? 
I'm going to have my way. She grabs him and demands that, that, that he sleeps with her. And when Joseph refused her and runs away, she, she grabs on and holds on to another cloak. And, and because he runs away, she gets angry. She's frustrated. She decides to protect herself should, should her husband come home and hear a different story. And she, and she figures, you know what? I could kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to have my revenge on Joseph for, for shunning me and blame this and, and uh, this incident on him. She screams. She claims she's attacked by him. And she has his, another robe in his hand. Him in these robes, man. It's evidence against him. And when Potiphar comes home, he does what any husband would do. He believes his wife. And then he gets angry at Joseph. And Joseph goes from Potiphar's house straight to an Egyptian prison. Now, watch this. He started at the pit. He has the dream. He ends up in a pit. He goes to Potiphar's house, and now he's going to prison. It, it, it would have been easy at this point, how many of you know, to, 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 to you know, just begin crying and whining. I mean, think about it. If it wasn't for bad luck, it seems like Joseph would have no luck at all. I mean, who wouldn't be upset? at this point in his life. But does he do that? No, he doesn't give in to despair. What, what does happen? He's thrown in the prison like Paul and Silas for doing the right thing, but we, don't, but, but, but we don't see him crying and convention. In fact, we see him doing the opposite. He's not falling into despair. He's not giving in to, to, to depression. Now, you may be saying, you know, Pastor Rick, you know, that's Joseph and you know, I, I'm, I'm not in a prison. I can barely relate to this story. Well, are you sure you're not in a prison? Listen to me today. How many know that prison could take on different strokes for different folks? You, you could be imprisoned by your anger. A lot of people are. Click tempers. A lot of, and a lot of it's going on today. People are just angry about everything. They, they, they become culturally woke, and, and with that, they've joined a crusade, and if people don't join their crusade with them, they, they, they just, they, they, they're walking angry, walking wounded, walking upset. And now you're mad at everyone else because, again, they, they, you can't get the people around you to, to become woke like you. You can be imprisoned by your circumstances, trapped in a situation that you feel powerless, in an unhappy marriage, or a job that you feel like is going nowhere. You can be imprisoned by the expectation of others. Remember the story, it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. Always disappointed because the people that you expect things, to, to expect things from are not measuring up. You're trapped in those emotions. You can be imprisoned by guilt. A lot of people walking around weighted down by guilt from the things that may have happened to them years ago. If that's you, go ahead and check last week's message. I promise you it will bless you. Well, regardless of what your prison experience is, we find ourselves facing today. Joseph gives us a great blueprint, if you will, for how we should be dealing with them. And one of the things that we have to keep in mind as we examine Joseph's life is, listen to me, God is not as much interested in our circumstances 
as he, as he is interested in our response to our circumstances. Can I say that again? He's not as much interested in our circumstances, but he's interested in our response to our circumstances. Some would say, it's a test. It's a test. And you can't have a testimony unless you go through a test. And many of us, we have dreams, and those dreams seem to not be being fulfilled in the, in the way that we think they should. And we're saying, well, what happened? What happened? And I'm telling you, you know, you're not at the end of your dream yet. It's a test. Hang in there and stay focused on God. Did Joseph pass or fail his test? Well, let's take a look. What did Joseph do? He did three things that we, that we should also consider. Number one, he knew that God had not and would not forsake him. Come on, somebody. He just knew it. In Genesis 39, 20 through 23, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, what does it say? Say it out with me. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison guards. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So now that Joseph is in prison, what have we learned? We, we've learned that although Joseph didn't deserve to be there, listen, his basic character remained the same. Who he was on the inside didn't change. His circumstances changed but who he was on the inside didn't change. I know another great man that says something about being judged not by the color of our skin, but by the, by the content of our character. Gosh, I'm praying that we get back to that, to that dream that great man had for all of America. Now, given the same set of circumstances, another man might have become harsh, upset, bitter, angry, even falling into despair. But not Joseph. He didn't get bitter. He, 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 he actually, we're going to see that due to what was going on in his life, he actually got better. And, and we know that even with God's presence, it wasn't a cakewalk walk for him. If you want to get an idea of what he went through, read Psalms 105 and read it through. Matter of fact, let me just read it to you. It, it, it refers to when he first got in prison. This is what it says, 105 verse 17. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. And verse 18 is not here, but it says, till, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Listen, could you imagine being sold into slavery by your brothers, being put in shackles. He had an iron collar around his neck, chains around his ankles. They couldn't be too comfortable. Even when it came time for him to lay down and go to sleep, listen, sleeping with, with iron on your neck, I mean, it must have been a very difficult time for him during that time. Yet all the while it says God was with him. Even in this uncomfortable 
and painful situation. C.S. Lewis says, the famous Christian author, he says, the problem of pain is that God whispers in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. If your dream has somehow become a nightmare, I want you to listen to me this morning. You have exactly two choices. Two choices when you're faced with adversity and pain. You can either become bitter and disillusioned, or you can, you can, we can allow uh, uh, the difficult times that come into our lives to, to display, put on full display our trust and hope in the Lord. Can I get an amen? Fact, listen to me. If you're listening today and you agree with what I'm saying, we want you to participate. Give me amens. Throw some hands up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's, just, let's just know that you're, that you're engaged in the message. Now, where is God when Joseph is thrown into the dungeon? Does his silence mean he's absent? We don't even have to wonder because according to verse 23, again, it says, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. In fact, as far as Joseph was concerned, jealousy may have put him in the pit and, and, and a false accusation put him in prison but God, our Lord and Savior, always stayed close to him. I read somewhere that, that Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Come on, somebody. Now, whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're facing, Jesus will stick closer than a brother. This is good to know because when those dungeons experiences come into our lives, the quickest and easiest response it's to feel like you're forgotten. I've been there. I've been there more than once. That when these things come into our lives and you're just like, Lord, you know, where are you? What's going on? Why is this happening? But when fear threatens to overwhelm us, we need to stop and remember the promise that he gives to all of his children throughout generations. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, listen to me. Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Come on, can I get an amen? No promise of Scripture is more comforting than that. When the God of all the universe turns to his children and says, no matter what you're going through, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Your friends, your family, other people may do it, but I'm that brother I'm that one that sticks closer than a brother. So in spite of our feelings to the contrary, God will use those painful experiences to mature us. Yes, he whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. But all of that is a part of the process for the path to maturity. Listen to me this morning. Spiritual maturity is learning to walk by faith regardless of present circumstances. 
I'm going to say it again. Spiritual maturity is learning to walk by faith regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's taking place in your life. Some Christians believe and they teach that if, if you just have enough faith, if you just have enough faith, you're never going to suffer. And, and, and that the death of Jesus somehow provides deliverance from all adversity and all affliction in life. There are people who are teaching that. Well, to those who would teach that, I have a question. Did Paul suffer? Did he not have faith? Did, did Peter not have enough faith? Because he suffered as well. And Jesus himself suffered. Just read the New Testament. They all suffered. They all struggled. And they all went through painful situations. Yet God saw them through it. Amen? And so if Joseph believed that, 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 that if he only had enough faith, he could instantly be delivered from the troubles, how many know that he would have been devastated by the facts that are in his life? These things did not just take a week or two. His situation then, then, okay, okay, God, we're six months into corona, come on. No, his situation went on for years. For years. Listen, my friends, the truth is that God's not obligated to make us wealthy or well-liked or free of trouble. God has promised to be with those who belong to him wherever they find themselves to bring them to maturity. It's going to go off in so much spirit. Nowhere does he promise to pamper us or to jump through every spiritual hoop we put in his path. So the first thing that Joseph learned was that God was never going to forsake us. Let me give you the second thing he learned. Joseph saw every situation in life as an opportunity to serve. Genesis 40, verse 1. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Verse 6, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that, that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And here we see that eventually Joseph was rewarded with a degree of freedom and a responsibility in the prison itself because we see that he's free of bitterness and he's been, he's been given the ability to just he had a certain amount of range that he can go through. And he became useful as an instrument to God. Now, what happened? The king's cupbearer ended up, and the king's bread maker ended up in prison. We don't know what they did. It doesn't say what they did, but they got, 
They got the, the, the king upset, and they ended up in prison. And now these trusted officials, they, they, they were the cupbearer would have been the person who would, would be the official taster of the wine because if there was poison in the wine, he was going to be the one that was going to have to do it. So he, these were trusted positions. And the bread maker, the same thing, he actually cooked his, the, the, the food for the king. Well, the, well the, the text says that the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and it literally says he attended them. That phrase literally means he ministered to them. He took care of their needs. And not only that, he cared enough to notice something was wrong, and, and, and he went and he listened to, why are you so dejected? Why are you down? What's, what's going on? And he, and he listened to their story. And, and, and they both had dreams, and they both were in distress because they, they didn't know how to interpret the dreams. And Joseph raises his hand, surprisingly enough, to interpret the dream. Now, you would think, you know what, Joseph, you've already gotten in trouble with a few dreams. Are you going to continue on this path? But he did. And, and, he, and, and he says, I can interpret the dreams. I can tell you what they mean. And they reach out to him for help. Now, listen, listen to me, church family. Ministering to the needs of others had two awesome effects on Joseph. Number one, listen, it kept him from wallowing in his own self-pity. Can I get an amen? When you, when you take the time not just to worry about your own stuff, you know, it, 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 it diminishes your stuff and it keeps you from wallowing. And that's what happened with him. It kept him from wallowing in his own. And if you can't do anything else, one of the things that he did was he just simply listened. He listened. In fact, that's a, that, that probably an awesome ministry today, considering that people are still isolating. And, you know, whenever someone gets me on the phone, it, it just seems like the, their heart's just pouring out. It's a ministry of listening. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says this. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our trouble. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God comforts you so that you can turn around and not just keep it to yourself, but you can turn around and comfort others with the comfort you received in Christ. The second important thing about Joseph's service for others is it was the very means that led to his ultimate deliverance. We're going to see that. Now listen to me. It may be that one act that seems so in insignificant at the time, but that's the one thing that's going to turn things around in your life or turn things around in other people's lives. For Joseph, his faithful ministry in the prison opened the door for greater ministry or would open the door for greater ministry in the palace. Genesis chapter 40, verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, a vine in front of me. And on that vine were three branches. And as soon as it budded, it bloomed and, it clust and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. And then he interpreted the dream. Well, this is what your dream means, Joseph said. 
the three branches are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will, be put, you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. Great news. In three days, Mr. Cupbearer, you're going to be fully restored to your position before. And then Joseph added this personal request. Listen to what he said. He said, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. <laughs> I just gave you the interpretation. I know it's from the Lord. It's going to happen. When it happens, please get me out of this situation. And so at this point, the chief baker was encouraged to tell his dream. And when he told his dream, considering that the cupbearer heard a good news, but let's see what the, 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 the baker is going to hear. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream, and on my head were three baskets of bread, and in the top baskets were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of, out of the basket of my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Oh, snap. Now, it's important to remember that this passage is less about dreams than it's about God's timing. Because exactly what Joseph predicted would happen, happened within three days. One was lifted up to the position, fully restored, and one was lifted up to be hanged. Genesis 40, 21. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that, the, so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Listen. And the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. How could he forget him? It was just three days ago. But he managed to forget him. Wow, talk about disappointment. Instead of being remembered, rewarded, and freed, he was forgotten like yesterday's news. And he would be forgotten, listen to me, for another two years. Now, I throw that word around prison, and we always think prison, and we have nothing to compare it to in, in the States because the prisons in the States are quite nice. Air conditioning, uh, TVs, running water. Prisons in the rest of the world, <laughs> most of the rest of the world, um, other than Europe, they're not very nice. And these, the prisons, uh, dungeons would be more appropriate. Another two years he would languish in this dungeon. The next two years had to be the darkest days of Joseph's life. Now, we're not told the reason that the baker didn't keep his promise. He just simply reads that he didn't remember, and he forgot. And after waiting patiently for all those years for just this kind of opportunity, Joseph's hopes are once again crushed by cruel reality of his circumstances. Listen to me. 
The fact is that people will let you down. We all know it. People will let you down, even those closest to you. It doesn't matter how good that person is or how hard that person tries, they're eventually going to let you down. And a huge number of troubles and disappointments we face in this world come from placing our trust in something or someone other than God. Yeah. But the good news is that when we feel like we've been forgotten or forsaken by the world, I promise you, you are never forgotten or forsaken by your Father in heaven. Amen. But again, it would take another two years before the opportunity came knocking again for him to get out of his situation. And it would be because of another dream, this time a dream that was given to Pharaoh, uh, the, the, the Egyptian Pharaoh himself, and one which his his magicians couldn't interpret, and finally, finally, the, the cupbearer says, you know what, they can't do it, but I just remembered I've, I met a Hebrew person in prison two years ago who had the ability to interpret dreams. Listen, folks, because of the king's dream, Joseph is about to go from the outhouse to the White House. Come on, somebody. God has a way. And I want to tell you something, because oftentimes we'll get these dreams, we will run into adversity, we'd run into problems, and then you want to quit. You want to quit on God. God's given me dreams. God has given me visions. And, and you are somewhere between, you know, chapter 38 and 39, and you may be being at 40, and you're about to quit, and you're, and you're going to quit when chapter 41 is going to show that you've got, you're about to graduate from the outhouse to the White House, the fulfillment of the dream. Turn to someone and say, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't turn your back on the dreams that God has put in your heart. Because even in spite of the adversities that are coming your way, even in spite of the fact that people might forget you and disappoint you and let you down, even in spite of the fact that even your family might turn against you, what God says he's going to do, he will do. Can I get an amen? Chapter 41 is coming. That's why we as Christians can say, come hell or high water, God is always on his throne. Now, what did Joseph do? He knew that God, that, that God wouldn't forsake him. He saw that every situation in life has an opportunity for service. And let me give you the, the, the last and final thing that he did. Joseph chose to trust God, God, regardless, regardless of his circumstances. And again, it would take another two years in prison. But during those years, Joseph continued to grow and to serve and to represent the God he trusted in. And upon his release and elevation and, fi and finally years later, he, he's now... Second in command, he correctly interpreted the dream. It said the king, the king had these dreams, and he, and he had this thing. No one could interpret it. And then he calls for, for Joseph to come out of prison, and, and, and Joseph tells him, yes, king, it's, it speaks of seven good years and seven bad years, seven, and, and, and you need to 
put somebody who's wise and has wisdom because there's a drought coming on the land. And the king reasoned, listen, if you can interpret these dreams, then there's no one more wiser than you. Plucked them out of obscurity. And, and then this time the Bible says, put a, put a beautiful robe on him. Because now he was walking in his calling. He, the fulfillment of the dream was coming to pass. And he says, I'm going to make you, there will be no one greater than you in the land except for me. Second in command of the entire Egyptian world. And the thing that had happened, what he said was going to happen, happened. A drought came on the land, seven years of good. Joseph uh, uh, wisely stored up in those seven years for the seven years of famine. And apparently the Egyptians were the only one that got the, you know, got the memo. So when the famine hit the land and all the surrounding world started running out of food, guess where they went? They went to Egypt because they found out that Egypt had prepared where no one else had. Who else went to Egypt? Joseph's family. Do you remember that dream from years ago <laughs> about the sheaves and the, and the sun and the moon and the stars? And who were they now coming in contact with? Second in command of the entire uh, Egyptian world at this time. The, the people who were basically running the world was their own brother. Oh, snap. What would they do? Genesis 45. He would reveal himself to his brothers. They would indeed bow down before him. And then he told them, come over here, he said. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me, for God did it. He sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. These two years of famine will grow to seven. So they were already out of food two years into this thing. And during which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God has sent me here to keep you and your families alive so that you will become a great nation. Yes, it was God who sent me here, not you. And he has made me a counselor to Pharaoh, manager of his entire household and ruler over all of Egypt. In other words, he told his brothers who were freaking out this time. This was the, this was the little brother they had, they had you know, mishandled and abused and sold into slavery. And now here it is, the fulfillment of the dream and the vision. Now they're, they're talking to the, you know, the second in command of all of the world, the known world at the time, they are afraid. He said, don't be afraid. What you meant for evil, God meant for our good. Now, how did Joseph manage to maintain his trust and not be, become embittered? What was his secret? The truth is that, listen to me, there, there is no secret. There is no secret. There's no magic formula. There's no 12-step program. The, the, oh, oh, you, 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 at some point, you just, got to, you just got to put your trust in him. Amen? You just got to say, you know what? I'm going to trust what God is doing regardless of what's taking place in my life. And perhaps you're listening today and you too have been going through what you've been going through. And whether it's been six days or six weeks, six months or six years, uh, this year feels 
I know it's only seven, what, what are we, seven, eight months in? It already feels like six years. But you've been waiting. And though you, you, you may not be in a literal prison, you may feel like you're trapped by unpleasant realities or life circumstances over which you, you feel like you have no control and, and from which you are having trouble removing yourself. You need to remember that your circumstances are never only what they appear on the surface. Can I say that again? Your circumstances are never only what they appear on the surface. We serve a miracle-working God, amen? We serve a miracle-working God, one who has the ability to work things out and go ahead of us in spite of our situation, our circumstances. And so our responsibility is to, even though I don't understand all that's taking place, he's asking you to trust him. He's asking you to keep trusting him because he is working things out. As I've stated before, he causes all things to work together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In other words, he causes all things to work together for his children. Are you a child of God? Do you belong to him? Listen, you have a choice. You can go through this life, quote unquote, woke to the grievances of this world, or you can go through this life woke to the promises of God. <laughs> Amen? I would rather stay awake to the promises of God. And that's what God is asking for each and every one of us. To not just be awake, to, to wake up to what's taking place in this world, but to allow that Joel uh, prophecy to come, to come to pass in your life, that in the last days he's going to pour out a spirit and men and women will dream dreams and, and, and see visions and to prophesy. God's got a dream for each and every one of us, a plan and a purpose. And in giving that plan and that purpose, it doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some things. But it does mean that whatever he takes you through, he will, he's not gonna, you're not going to go through it alone. Can I get an amen? And so as we come to a close and before we, we do our communion today, I just want to make sure that everyone who, who the Spirit of the Lord is drawing has the ability to, to, to say yes to becoming a child of God. Have you asked him to come into your life, to come into your heart? Have you acknowledged that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior? The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's what we all deserve. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we, before we come to the communion table, which is a great promise of itself, the, the, the blood of Jesus that was shed for every single one of us, the body that was broken on the cross, the promise that we're going to eat, eat this supper with him in paradise one day, that he's coming back for those who who put his trust in him. Before we do all that, I want to make sure that you're given an opportunity to 
at least surrender your heart to him and then allow him to pour out his spirit on you so that so that you can have the so that you can dream the dreams that he has for you I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes and to say something like this say Heavenly Father I come before you today and I want to give you thanks and praise for your love that in sending your son to die on the cross. I, I want to give you thanks and praise for including me in your story. The Bible is a history lesson. But Father, we are part of your story, his story. And, you're, and you beckon all those who are willing to come. And so while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to say something like this. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit from this day forward. Forgive me of my sins. I am your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Did you say that prayer and you meant it? By the authority of God's word, you are now a child of the king. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.